gosh, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Well, this is his new sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably conk him in the forehead. All right, everybody. It's Wednesday morning. I just finally finished the uh, art or the uh, the compound bow review. Thank God. And uh, I had talked with a super good friend of mine, known him forever. Yesterday, he said he'd hop on the podcast. So uh, we have got Dan Staten on. Uh, Dan, what's going on? Good morning, Aaron. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. Um, you know, before I screw this up, before we get kicked off, uh, like I said in the last couple of podcasts, we're going to start listing off companies that uh, that work with us, as, as some of them also work with Dan, that we believe in and we like. And uh, the two companies this podcast uh, is brought to you today by Onyx Map Software and Black Rifle Coffee. I believe Dan also uses both of those. I love the guys over at Black Rifle. They're badass. Um get along really well with Evan and, uh, they've done a lot for us. We do a lot for them. And, uh, on X, um, f- pretty much everybody on the planet seems to use on X. I used base map for a while, but on X is, it's just easier. Everybody uses it. It's better in almost every way. So everybody go check those companies out. Um, that's enough of that. Dan, what the hell have you been up to? You know, I've been, I wrapped up elk shape camp season. So, did a lot of traveling first part of the year, um, trying to get elk tags, trying to um, keep running elk hunting and, um, you know, just working hard towards goals and being a dad, being a husband. Nothing nothing crazy. I always seem like I always got honeydews, so I'm trying to bang those out and um, try to stay in shape for hunting season, man. Yeah, no kidding. I uh, Oh, yeah, you made that list, too. I can't remember... Who it was that made it? I do with the Matt Ranella thing, but um, I can't remember where you were at. But you were also one of the worst people for um for hunting, as I remember. I I was also on that list, uh, which I found quite comical. But uh, yeah, I do I do think I beat you though. I must I got to throw that in there. I think I was like like uh lower on the list or higher, however you want to look at it. Um, yeah, you ranked you ranked higher. You were you were doing good. Yeah, I might have been thirteenth actually. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly. 13 rings a bell though, but I don't know. I don't get my, I don't wrap my head up around that stuff too, too much. I think that, um, people should probably focus more on helping others, getting out in the woods, working on shooting and, uh, not so worry so much about everyone else. They probably live a little bit longer. Uh, I think you have the same feelings on that that I do. Yeah. I don't think off season is good for hunting hunters. I think we get bored and we get on forums and, comment negatively and maybe shed negative light when we could be keeping our head down and kind of making a difference in our own abilities and working on our own weaknesses versus wasting basically squandering time on the internet that is useless so yeah i'm with you yeah well and i think that um uh in um the like the reality is and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast self-assessment's kind of rough for people at times and you know people get wrapped up in the weeds on gear or you know whatever what what foc what brought whatever when reality if you just go work out and practice shooting your bow with good form probably gonna be you know better off in the long run and i do see people um maybe wrap their heads around certain things a little more than they should when um maybe just focusing on cleaner eating a little bit more working out a little bit more cardio 
a little bit more blind bail shooting, you know, a little bit more you know, work on accuracy, that they'd probably be better off. What are your thoughts on some of that? I mean, I know you're a fitness uh, geek. You shoot a lot, but, um, you know, trying to stay positive, make a, make a better Dan. I mean, what do you what do you do every day kind of staying focused? Yeah, I, I definitely have a lot of things that I need to get better at. Um, and so for, for me, it's once I've secured elk tag, which, you know, it seems like it's a drawn out process, pun intended, you know, over several months before you really know where you're going to be hunting. But when that information comes across my desk, I immediately begin a process of e-scouting. As I've grown, as I'm old now, I'm not old as you, but I'm 40. I don't see a lot of value in doing things like shed hunting or doing a dozen scouting trips in the summer, those seem to take away time from the family where I'm already going to leave them in the fall a lot, a long time. So my scouting has got to be done on the internet and it's pretty powerful. So, you know, e-scouting 15 minutes a day as a discipline has helped me kind of narrow my plans down. And, and I'm still like, even if I had a really, really good tag, even if I had a landowner tag, even if I was being guided, I would still want to do some background on just getting to know the area, the trailheads, the bottlenecks, what the features the elk are going to like, and, and get to know the things from from a Google Earth, from an Onyx standpoint. So I feel like e-scouting is something you can, you kind of have unlimited reps there. Um, you can never be like, man, I e-scouted too much this year. Um, that, that, that just doesn't, that's not a thing. And then shooting the bow daily, it's not about like, number of arrows but it's more like quality good repetition i think one thing a lot of guys could probably maybe copy what i do is i film a lot of my shooting um that doesn't see the day the the light of day on the internet like i'm just i film myself shooting to watch for basically flaws in my process i'm trying to be a robot out there with a bow um Obviously, you got to work out. Obviously, I don't feel like working out most days, believe it or not. I'm sure you can appreciate that. It's not like it doesn't sound fun to me to go kick my own ass, but got to do it. Get those mental dividends. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in the weeds, man. Like, I don't do a lot of, like, the uh, Noctune, Spine Tall. I mean, I've tinkered with everything and tried everything, but I've seen more value in just working on creating less human influence into my shot, minimizing variance in my shot process and getting quality reps versus, like I said, getting in the weeds and all these little details. I think guys get caught up. I'm sure you get 1 million messages a year about, Hey, here's my arrow setup. What do you think? You know? Yeah. And I just think guys get so worked up on all that kind of stuff. Whereas you should maybe take all that time, hire a coach. I have a coach. I don't suck at archery, but I still have a coach. I got coached last week. I was doing some dumb stuff, and he picked it apart a little bit, and I'm working on it. But I don't know if that makes sense, but I think there's just so many things you can be doing. It's almost like a debate of what should I do in a hierarchy of what's the most glaring weakness in your portfolio, and that's what you should be tackling. Yeah, to add to that or maybe add clarity, because I I agree with what you're saying, but sometimes that is taken out of context. And so – 
when I will say certain things, I'll get emails where guys are like, so you're saying I shouldn't worry about, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever that is. And that may be total arrow weight or whatever, you know, worrying about which way the arrow rotates off of the string and matching your fletchings to that. No, I'm not saying don't worry about those things. If you want to worry about those, great, but don't put the cart in front of the horse is, is what I try to uh, explain to people. And, and one of the things I said, and I got bashed on uh, YouTube a little bit for it, was I was talking about stabilization systems, stabilizers. And I said, and you know, I'm blunt and I kind of probably should come across differently than I do sometimes. I was like, hey, if you suck, don't worry about all the stabiliz- stabilizers. Get more accurate, then you can assess what stabilizer actually makes you more consistent rather than hitting a stop sign at 50 yards and throwing a bunch of stabilizers on. You're not really learning anything from that. You're not becoming any better probably because you're not accurate enough from the beginning. I'm not saying don't worry about perfecting your stabilization system, but what I am saying is become more accurate first and work on uh, consistency and accuracy before you start worrying about indexing knocks. That's something you brought up that I've definitely, you know, mentioned to people. I'm like, hey, if you got an outlier, a flyer, rotate the knock to the next fletch, shoot it. Sometimes it'll suck it back in the group. But if your group is so big, you can't tell one of your arrows is bad, work on shrinking that group down and then picking, you know, kind of hitting the minutia of the detail or whatever. Like don't start picking fly shit out of chili um, too early, become consistent and then you know, start really tweaking the, the minor things. And I don't pay attention to which way my arrow rotates coming out of the bow. I just fletch up my arrows and spin my broadheads and, and fire away. I, I, I don't, I, I see the reason why someone would focus on that, but I would say focus on accuracy first and then worry about the smaller details. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is the same thing. And, and people get their heads wrapped around certain things and they, and they don't, they don't focus on accuracy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. It's like the, the, the simple fact that you got to have tight groups before you worry about all these other little things. And those things do come up and they are important. And, and it is fun to tinker and mess around and, and get little things going your way. The devil's in the details, as they say. But like you said just a second ago, it doesn't really matter if you're not performing at your best and you're putting a lot of variance in your shot process. Um, archery is cool, man. It's not like shooting a gun. You know, you shoot a gun, it goes bang. Your muscles aren't at tension to make that gun go off. Whereas in archery, all your muscles are firing and this thing's going to explode and send a projectile. It's a little bit different. So being robotic is kind of like the name of the game. And I'm not an archery coach. I don't pretend to be one, um, but I am a student for life. Kind of why I like archery. I mean, there's a million rabbit holes. I would say major in the majors, not the minors. If you major in the minors, I think you're going to get pretty frustrated and you're going to hear a lot of conflicting advice from different resources. And then you're going to get frustrated, confused. You're not going to know who to believe. I would always run a filter through like, I would take advice from Aaron Snyder. He's killed more stuff than the other guy or the other guy. So try to find a credible source who's 
basically pounded the elk woods or pounded the mountains in the back country, in the front country, um, has tested, seen arrows, seen broadheads, seen what they do. And then the fact that you've competed too is kind of nice because, you know, if you are going to compete at a higher level, even ASAs, you really do have to pay attention to all those details after you have solid technique. So vet your resource and find your sweet spot because your sweet spot might not be Dan's or Aaron. No, I agree. And, you know, as people are listening to this, um, I, I, I want to make sure that I, I, uh, I brought this up before and you can appreciate this. Uh, a guy had recently gotten a hold of me a few months ago that he had plantar fasciitis. And he said, man, I've tried everything. I've got cortisone shots. I've stretched. I've done this. I've done that. And me being the peckerhead I am, I'm like, man, have you tried losing 50 pounds? Because that'll probably do it. Oh. Right. And, and I wasn't. You know, people don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing shit like that, although I have lucky enough friends that say things to me like that all the time because it's more of a reality check. And my point to the guy was is you may never fix that problem if you don't drop the weight, and that would be the maybe not the easiest fix, but that would be the actual fix that lasts longer. Not always. I'm not saying you can't be skinny and get plantar fasciitis. I just sometimes that's the key. It's like snoring. You start snoring out of the blue. It's like, man, I'm putting tape on my nose, whatever. I'm like, well, you gained 40 pounds in the last six months. That might be why you're snoring. And it's hard to self-assess. And believe me, it's difficult, you know, for me at times. And and, and everything, archery, hunting, whatever, like guys will be like, man, you know, I can only get 81 yards out of my bow. Should I move my peep sight or shoot a lighter arrow? And I'm like, well, maybe just focus on getting closer like work work on your stocking skills you know and i don't mean that in a negative way uh, at all because i mean believe me i've dropped some bombs at animals it's just that you know if you're worried about you know 17 percent of foc and you really want 21 well what are you what do your groups look like uh you know at certain distances i mean you know what's your arrow flight like i mean there's a focusing on those majors like you said are are big and you know, that's difficult to do as a human. And I mean, it's difficult for me. And, and there's times I've got buddies that are like, dude, what are you worried about that for? Whether it be business or, you know, hunting or fitness or whatever. I, you know, like, why does it matter that I'm getting stronger when my cardio sucks? You know, just shit like that. And that's stuff people really need to probably look at and self-assess. It's difficult to do. I mean, it is. No, I agree. And man, we could talk so much about all these little things and they are fun friends. Like they are fun to tinker. I, I'm a tinkerer for sure. Um, maybe even too much. Um, if I were to be honest, I, I probably tinker too much, but I enjoy that stuff. I do. But if tinkering get in the way of my e-scouting, my fitness, my nutrition, um, my backpack training, then we got a, we got problems, you know? Um, so find that balance. It's kind of tough, and I think the most important thing is if you're new or you, you're you're just trying to gain knowledge, vet your resource. I mean, you're a great resource, Aaron. You've bow hunted a long time, and um, I, people people always say, Dan, I appreciate your no BS, no fluff, and I appreciate that about you. There needs to be people out there that do have fluff and do say things nicer and not so blunt or directly, but we also need guys like you and me that just don't, we're not wired to say things eloquently and, and gentle. It's, uh, it's the coach and me. I'm just like, let's cut the bullshit. Let's get to the bottom line and let's get going. 
Um, and that's just our personality, you know. Um, maybe you're more blunt than me, though. Maybe. Yeah, at times I'm trying to get a little bit better at it, but when I say that, meaning, um, you know, it, maybe I'm not getting any better. People are just used to it, but I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that it comes across in the way I, I mean it to it sometimes. And I, I've definitely, you know, had some good conversations back and forth on guys with uh, on emails and things. One, one of the things, and you'll probably get a kick out of this. I um, was talking about your skill set being on par with your gear meaning um oh yeah you know if your cardio sucks or you know you're you, you're overweight or you don't know anything about animal behavior anatomy but you've got the best binos you know you know with clothing gps whatever and what a guy took out of that was so you're saying since i have money i shouldn't buy that stuff and i'm like no that's not what i meant what i was saying <laughs> was don't stop after the gear keep advancing your own personal skill set you you want to be the best you you can be when you're out there and when i say that you don't want to be the guy that's lagging behind or can't make it over you know a certain hill or a certain distance in because that's where the elk are you want to try and be the best shape you can be the best shot you can be um have the best field craft you you know let navigation whatever and it's not to say you're going to be perfect at all of them, but, you know, when you're sitting at home, you know, punching your clown, watching TV, um, I don't know, pick what series, a blacklist, I don't know. It's maybe shut that off and, you know, grab your laptop and, you know, maybe learn some stuff on YouTube or, or start advancing your skills and then move outside to do it um, rather than focusing on how to drop one ounce off of your pack weight. That's not a bad thing to drop pack weight. But what it'd probably be better is learn how to do terrain association, land navigate, learn animal anatomy a little bit better. I mean, you know as well as I do, you've killed a ton of stuff. Knowing where to hit an animal is vital or when not to shoot or where when you hit it may not be the exact spot you wanted to hit it. What that specific uh, entry and exit is going to provide you for a blood trail, how long it's going to take that animal to hit the ground learning all of those different things, getting a base idea. I mean, like constantly be a sponge and that's sometimes hard to do too. I mean, I'm a tinkerer with everything. So I get bored. I pick up photography, I get bored and I'm like, Oh, I'll pick up traditional archery, whatever gives me something to do all the time. But in reality, there are times where I'm like, all right, fatty, I need to go do cardio. Like, right. Like I don't like doing cardio. Yeah, maybe I should stop playing with my camera and get my fat ass down the hill and hike back up it. So I, I you know, you got to stay focused on where your weak points at and, and keep learning. Mm, yeah. Self-assessment, man. That's pretty much the name of the game. That's kind of the curriculum at um, the camps we've been doing for the last five years is just kind of set it up to where we can expose your weaknesses um, and kind of help you get a blueprint. It's tough to kind of self-assess without someone, you know, maybe at, someone else looking over your shoulder and saying, Hey man, you know what? You are pretty good at archery and you're shooting really well under duress and some stress situations and your techniques on. And maybe you don't need to shoot for three hours a day. Maybe you need to like shoot five arrows a day and jack your cardio up or do a little more time in the kitchen, do some food, uh, food prep, drop those 20 unwanted pounds. You're going to hunt better. You're going to feel better. You're going to recover faster. You're going to enjoy the experience better, not lugging around those extra 20 pounds and, yeah, and, you know, I'm a huge, like, I work with companies. I want to promote product and gear. 
that's my job. But I also want people to understand, I really want them to get tags in their pocket and go get reps in the field. And, um, you know, the best gear in the world, obviously I don't ever, ever tell people to skimp on boots and backpacks. I feel like those are like next to your, your, your weapon. Those are like your, you just can't compromise there, but man, I don't know if you need the latest and greatest lightest thing for this, that, the other. And, um, especially with the, the competition out there to get a tag, you just need tags in your pocket, go get reps in the field and hopefully have a job where you can hunt as much as you can. You know, I don't hunt as much as you do, Aaron, but I hunt a lot more than your average guy. And, and, and I understand that I do because I used to be a guy who didn't get to hunt as much. That might not be true. I've always been able to hunt a lot, but I've made it a, I made it a priority. I've made sacrifices even financially. I, I, I'm, I'm a time chaser, bro. Uh, I just want to hunt. I'm just obsessed with it. And, um, on that note, definitely want to encourage listeners to get experience and tags over gear, even, even, you know, talking to you right now, I think you would agree with that. hundred percent. I, and I talk about it all the time. Um, I, I coming from a poverty level, not that long ago, you know, I had one pair of pants to hunt with pretty simple choice. It's the only ones I had. They were good pants, but I only had one. Um, I had one pair of boots and they were good boots, but they were the only set of boots I had. And so I tell, you know, you don't need a new bow every year. If you're financially able to do that, rub some funk on it. I'm all about it. I love gear. But if you're really trying to focus on, you know, just getting outside, whether it be scouting, hunting, fishing, uh, whatever, you can live in poverty and have a great life. Now, you may have to save up and do side jobs, but you don't have to buy new crap all the time. Like an MSR reactor is a stove I really like. It's been out for years. In fact, it's probably been out for 20 years. I don't know, long time. Um, I've had the same one for about nine years now. And, you know, I've tried many other stoves, but the reality is, is I get away with just that one stove, uh, a shelter, whatever shelter you choose, whether it be a tarp tent or whatever else, if you have a good one, if you take care of it, that's going to last you a long time. And you probably don't need to upgrade. You may want to upgrade, but you don't need to upgrade your bow. You may want a new bow every year. You don't need it. Now, if you got the money again, buy a new bow arrows, I, a kind of a funny thing that I say is, you know, find the arrow that shoots out of your bow, buy a bunch of them and turn off the internet. Same with broadheads. You don't have to constantly tinker. If you like doing that, go ahead. But the reality is it's taking money away from tags, gas, whatever, food to go out and hunt or scout or fish more. And I, you know, I'm more of a lifestyle guy than I am a money guy and focus on that lifestyle. Don't focus on the gear. If your lifestyle is gear, don't complain when you can't afford to go hunting. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, 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 don't, you know, if that's your deal and you want to play with gear, great. But if you truly want to get in the outdoors, get some good gear, don't keep buying new crap and get your ass outside. Unless you're wealthy, then buy whatever you want. And I, I, I would agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, the, the whole, we've talked about all the weeds that you can get into with front of centers and arrow selection, you know, insert, outsert, half cert, Aaron. Snyder system, collars, veins, number of veins, vein orientation, clocking your bow. Okay, we talked about all that stuff. Um, I generally skip all that foreplay and just get to screwing a broadhead on pretty early in the year. 
and I shoot that practice broadhead on every arrow that's a candidate to be in my quiver for a hunting scenario. Dude, that saves me a lot of time. That saves me a lot of time to do, put my energy in other places. Um, and specifically for me, the most important area besides, besides my family and my fitness is literally showing up fully prepared for the hunt with the e-scouting and knowing that I have confidence in my ability to execute the plans that I've created in my office, in my basement, at my house. Um, and I want other people to have that same kind of mindset or opportunity is to um, separate themselves through their preparation. And that doesn't mean going in the weeds. It means literally hitting the most important things that are going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. And uh, we might, I might be several steps ahead um, as far as if you're just straight up inexperienced and out of shape and you can't shoot a bow for crap. Don't freak out yet. Like this is a journey. Um, that's where elk shape was born and bred was I sucked at elk hunting, Aaron. And I'm not saying I don't suck now, but I'm hell of a lot better. And it took me five archery seasons to shoot a bull with a bow. And my seasons weren't like, Oh, I'm going to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, my seasons were quit a job go get a new job after hunting 30 days straight of September times five years. And I'm so thankful for that failure. I think people get wrapped up in, you know, failure sucks. I'm here to tell you, celebrate the failure, utilize it as fuel. The second you come home, you know, dig your heels in and get to work on what you sucked at. Why did you not have success? Did you not get into elk every day? Well, why are you not getting into elk? You don't know their behavior, their biology. I'm, I mean, Aaron, we both know it don't matter if you hunt elk in Colorado or North Idaho, elk still kind of want the same thing. They can, they, they're pretty predictable. They do similar things. You just need to be in them every day. At least I do. I need to be in elk every day if I'm going to kill them with a bow. So were you able to get into elk? Did you suck? Did you have to stop and take a break every 20 steps? Did altitude kick your ass? Uh, you know, did, did you blow the shot? Did you, do you need an archery coach? Like, did you black out and just punch the trigger and wonder what the hell just happened? I mean, I think a lot of those things I know not ranging your animal, um, dicking around with a slider, not bringing it back to home or using the wrong pin or just, you know, there's so many little things that you could uh, identify as man. Uh, I suck in the crunch time. And I think what do your listeners want to get from this conversation? I think it's Aaron and Dan have made a lot of mistakes. And I always say it's not a mistake unless you do it twice. So if you forget to range an elk and you guess the yardage and you rush the shot, that's on you. Don't do it again. Um, I like to shoot animals when I know the range. Um, I've seen guys, uh, I do it in our shooting under terrestrials at camp. You add a little bit of stress and they're butt puckers and it, just watching the way they take an arrow out of their freaking quiver it's like, hey, man, if this had been a hunting scenario, you would have just sliced your strings off. You, you, that was sloppy. Um, Let me add. There's just so many little things we see. <laughs> Let me add to this because I have a wife, and, a, and she's new to hunting. And with what you're, what you're saying, I agree 100%. And I'm learning more, too, that I got to let people fail, um, meaning I need to stop helping yeah. people as much because they don't learn as well. My wife, being a prime example of this, two days ago on the 3d course 3d years ago, whatever it was, 
you know, I always talk to her about when your toes are down on a downhill angle, you're going to, your arrow is going to go towards your toes if your toes are downhill. If your heels are downhill, same thing. You're going to shoot your arrow because of gravity and, and your body. You know, you need to make sure and really focus on getting your, you know, uh, bubble perfect and maybe even aiming a hair on the uphill side. This is for score. Well, I've told her that enough, but I've never let her fail at it. That she need, and I told her this as like, you need to start failing more to learn. I am, I am handicap you by helping you. And when you're talking about, we weren't doing archery. We were with Ryan Rotier, my buddy. He owns Rotier Outfitting up in South Dakota. We were hunting turkeys with him. And um, we were getting my wife a bunch of trigger time behind a rifle because she's, she's shoots a bow all the time. And when you throw stress in the mix, you want to talk, I mean, talking about down the scope back and forth. Yeah. I mean, if you're using a ballistic turret, you know, familiarization, target acquisition, it's all the same with archery. And you talked about like cutting a string when people are only reading about it, you're not going, that's, you know, the difference in knowledge and wisdom. Um, you know, knowledge is knowing wisdom is actually have doing it. And I don't know if you ever watch videos when I shoot an animal, I am reloading and I don't care where I hit it immediately. Yes. Yes. I guide a lot and I am amazed at how many people shoot and grab their binos. And I'm like, no, grab an arrow, bro. Like I, and especially if I'm with you, I got the binos like, you know, reloading an arrow. And then again, if you've, if you're, if they've got a single pin, this is a common problem. Why I hate single pins. They load an arrow and, and knock up but they're still on 28 yards and the animals went out to 40, you know, cause they've blacked out a, a, a constant assessment of what's going on in, in that specific scenario or that time and being able to have mental clarity to assess and make decisions. Do people fall apart? And I, you, you, I mean, talk a little bit about your, your camp. You go over a lot. And I, I think you have Joel uh, Turner, the brain doctor. He helps you out with some of those. He talks about this stuff a lot. Getting people under stress and getting them to assess how much they suck at it and then become better. People don't put themselves in that position. You do that at the elk camp, though, don't you? Yeah, it's a must. And the very first thing we do at every camp, I didn't want to tell listeners this, but it doesn't even matter if they know it's coming, is we got 50 guys at a camp. Everyone's excited for day one. And it's like after introductions, it's like, cool grab your bow, grab one arrow, go to the range. And in the pre-registration, they have to tell me what is their effective range on elk. And I'm basically worded to where what's the absolute furthest you're willing to send a projectile at an elk. And we always get that 60 for sure, but we'll get a few 80s. We'll get a few people that are like in touch with reality and they're like 40. Um, and so we just have them shoot one arrow in front of 49 other strangers and eight subject matter experts. Uh, and, and they just, they crumble. They just never, they've just never shot an arrow in front of a crowd. Um, and their, their perception is that it's just so much pressure and they fall apart. Now there's a few people that just have ice in their veins and it's, I mean, that's always fun to see, but, um, I, I like one thing that Joel says, and he's like, you need to look or seek out opportunities to get pressure. And one thing that he suggests, and I still think it's gold, is he's like, go to your local archery range, 
walk up to a stranger and say, hey, come here, watch me shoot this arrow. I'm going to hit a bullseye and pay attention to my trigger work. Don't watch the arrow. Watch how slow I can work this trigger. Man, you got to have a set of balls on you to do that, to just walk up to some stranger and not get punched in the face. But it's that kind of pressure situation. I mean, we're all freaking all-stars in our backyard wearing flip-flops. Man, I'm the best in my backyard. But you put me on a, a three. Uh, yesterday, yesterday I was having a shoot-off with my archery coach. Uh, and we've never really shot against each other. And um, he just kind of said, all right, let's go out there. I'll pick the distance. He picked 127 yards on a windy day. And we had we were filming this. And, dude, he, he shot a better group than me. But I was thankful because I, my heart rate was high. I felt pressure. Cameras are rolling. I've never shot against my archery coach. I want to beat his ass and show him that he ain't got nothing on me. And I'm just thankful for that was a great experience to have in the off season and looking for those high pressure situations. Um, we do that at camp. And then obviously we do some physical, we mix in some fitness and shooting. We're not doing push ups and shooting our bow. We're not doing burpees. We we're, we're getting their legs heavy. So we're, we're running. We're squatting, we're lunging, we're getting a lot of blood, we're wearing a backpack, and we're shooting specific shot scenarios like from your knees at 37.5 yards so they don't have an exact pen for that. Or shoot this target, but you have to be at full draw for 60 seconds before you shoot it. Things like that that people don't practice, um, super important. And um, you'll be surprised. If you can do some stress tests, and kind of duplicate that scenario once a month leading up to hunting season and chart your results and shrink your groups. I think you'll be better prepared because I've never killed an elk with a low heart rate and I've always had a backpack on and I've always been sleep deprived, dressed, missed my can- my family. And here I am shooting this shot that I've worked so hard for and I don't want to blow it. No, a hundred percent. That's actually one thing we're doing talking about stress at the best of the best that's the tournament we have here is uh day one is is the team you know a compound and a trad guy <clears throat> excuse yeah. me the top five scores combined team scores are going to go into a five target shoot down round um and no scores will be added to the reason why we did that is stress because someone could shoot out their ass with the three people in their group but then now you are in front of the entire crowd. People are on live, you know, Instagram live. People are filming. Now you have, let's say, 100 people watching you. 30 of them are, have video cameras. Everyone's talking crap. Now you have to perform with all of them watching. And the chance of losing, a, we pay a lot of money. Like, I think first place last year won five grand. So you have a chance oh, wow. of, let's say you're up, I, I mean, you said you don't shoot a lot of tournaments, but generally on, a, on an individual, the top five scores are separated by eight points. That doesn't take much to lose in five targets, especially when you're shitting your pants. That's just a, a stress test, basically, those five targets to see if you can hold your mud while everyone's watching and your adrenaline's going. Now, I haven't shot all my elk with a pack on. I take my pack off uh, a lot when I'm cold calling, but... Yeah. That, having that pack on, I, I mean, and I, I see it all the time, but I am uh, constantly observing and watching. I watch a guy's chest strap fluttering in the air in the wind as it we're walking and we're going on a stock, especially like when I'm guiding or whatever. And I'm like, hmm, 
that that could be a problem. Like you know that yep. that tag end of that that chest strap can catch your string, and your arrow will not fly correctly. Or they're just uncomfortable. They draw their bow back, and they're not used to shooting with a pack on. And the other thing, like that 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 I try to, especially like mule deer or or mountain goat or whatever, uh, you know, owdad, where we're stalking constantly. Your brain is going 100 miles an hour. Where's the sheep? What's it doing? Is it looking at me? Am I stepping on sticks? What's the wind doing? Oh, it, and your brain is running a million miles an hour. And the people that are able to go into slow motion and slow down time and assess everything and not make a mistake either have a ton of experience or just have ice in their veins. And you can tell when a guy's making a stock that, that has done it or can hold his mud because he's calm, he's cool. He's collected. His thoughts are, um, he his he is making conscious decisions in the moment. And as you know as well as I do, especially with elk, when they come in screaming, I always when I'm setting up. All right, what's in front of me? Where can I draw? Where's the elk gonna come? When can I draw when the elk comes in? What if he hangs up? When should I draw? Can I let down? If you don't have that experience, you got to put yourself in the position to gain it because you're probably going to fail or get lucky. But one of the two is going to happen. You get blind shithouse luck or you are going to learn a lot with that encounter. And talk about some of the things you've screwed up on and done right on on elk encounters specifically for people to kind of think about. Yeah, man, um, that was so good to, to say the word be conscious and be talking to yourself. Autopilot is an mf'er. And it will mess your program up. And I think that was the biggest thing that I would do. I'd shoot an elk and, and I'd kill elk punching the trigger for many, many years with a Scott Index, uh, Scott XT, shooting a full metal jacket at 505 grains. I, I, would, I was able to punch the trigger and I was able to do that because I was pretty much killing a lot of bulls in North Idaho using my top pen and cow call stop, shoot them and getting away with that. And then I started hunting more open country and got exposed that, Hey man, like even at 20 yards, you're, you're risking the biscuit a little bit, you know, just getting rid of that arrow. So understanding that you have more time than you think is huge for, for me in, in the heat of the moment. And what I mean by that is that you're going to, you come to full draw on an elk, no matter how many you've shot, there's a little voice that's going to be either whispering or screaming at you to send it, get rid of that arrow, punch your tag, punch your trigger, punch your tag. And that's the, that's the voice um, that's going to screw you over eventually. And so just wear your feet on the ground. Like you were just talking about a second ago where your toes pointed. Um, what is, what does the terrain look like? Where is the hang up spot? Where is this elk going to want to stop and stare? When are you going to come to full draw? All those things should, you should be going through a checklist and talking to yourself and staying present. Um, what typically happens is at some point you're like, holy shit, this is going to happen. Like, I don't know why, but we all say that to ourselves. We're like, Oh my God, this is happening right now. And that's your moment to, <clears throat> to stay in the game or to just go into autopilot and black out. And after the shot be like, okay, did I even put the right pen on them? Um, <laughs> What dude, did I do? So my wife for me, is that your wife? Dude, I, I'm only laughing because when I see her hunting, you know, I, I guide a lot of different clients or whatever, but I don't know them as well as I know my wife. And 
when I'm watching it, I'm watching what I did 30 years ago, right? I'm going through, in my mind, watching, and she gets mad. She's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, oh, you don't think I did that? Like, you're just the only one that forgot to hold the thumb button down on their back tension and, you know, poked an arrow through the blind because you forgot. You know what I get? I'm like, and explaining that in words does not get it. You have to do it. And, and, you know, I guess I don't, I don't want to interrupt, but I get a kick out of this. So I guess I do want to interrupt with my wife because like we were just hunting turkeys and my wife, you've seen, she has got, she's been very blessed. She's, she's gotten to shoot a lot of animals calling a turkey. It's like three to five yards. She can't draw her bow. Like, you know, she's having like uh, performance issues, right? Like, she's like, I can't draw. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean you can't draw? You, you draw that bow all day. Mental block, right? Turkeys get out yep. there at like 22 yards. She misses. And uh, I grab my bow and I'm like, hey, range it. Because I, I, I can hit a, I can make an ethical shot on a turkey a little bit farther distance than she can. So I'm like, range it. She gives me the range and I look at her. I'm like, range it again. She ranges it again. Well, she's shaking so bad. She's like off by 20 yards. So I just set my bow down and I don't get stressed or I just laugh. I'm like, no, no drama, honey, no drama. Calling another bird two days later. I killed mine the next day. Comes into 15. Dude, she misses by three feet. And my wife can shoot. Call it back in and misses it again. And she's like, I'm making good shots. And I look at her. I was like, who are you kidding? you're not missing by two inches. You're missing by four feet. I'm like, get your shit together. It's a bird. It has the brain the size of a pea. Breathe. Pull your crap together, honey. You're fine. Don't stress. She, The bird comes in, and immediately she draws back, and it's at like 30 yards, and I'm like, no, no. Well, she can't hold her bow back for five minutes, right? Turkeys get hung up, so she lets down. I, I, I cut, or I don't know if you turkey hunt or whatever, but I, I start cutting, and that thing comes flying in, she goes to full draw, and I'm like, do not shoot yet. She's like, why, why? And I'm like, it is coming to the blind. That thing came to like six yards, and she smoked it. That is all experience of things I have screwed up, and I've learned animal behavior and anatomy, what a turkey is going to do, what it looks like when it's coming, and just staying calm to hit it. In comparison to she knows, quote, unquote, mentally, but under pressure. Is totally different from what you can recite to what you actually do. And so, you know, and you were talking about, you know, talking about the different things. Being able to tell me what you're going to do doesn't mean anything to me. Showing me what that you can do it in the moment of truth, I mean, that's the bitch. And when you're talking about the little devil and the angel on your shoulder, when that devil's going, shoot, shoot, it's going to bite you. It is difficult because you're. T- I got to punch my tag. I got to. Fi- I got to. Fi- I'm out here. I, I, I. The elk's in here. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's gonna run. More than most likely, you do your part. You have way more time. Believe me, I. Le- you learn this with a stick bow. You have all the time in the world if you don't do anything stupid. Usually, but you are the one that oh. screws it up. <laughs> no doubt. I. I appreciate what where your wife's at. I'm still susceptible to get excited like that. Um, I think anyone is, but, you know, given some time and experience in the red zone, huge, huge. And I've been hunting, I hunted Texas now, two years now in a row. And as a 40 year old man, I'm here to tell you, my, I have a lot more plans to come down to Texas in the weird months of the year where I usually don't have hunting opportunities, uh, high fence, low fence, don't care, whatever, free range. I want to shoot stuff and get reps in the red zone. And this is coming from a guy who's been bow hunting. I'm going on my 21st year. 
So I still appreciate, you know, places where you can get reps in the red zone and work through that. I think that's going to put a feather in your cap. But you want to talk about mistakes. I've made them all. I mean, I can tell you, man, one of the very first mistakes I ever made was, um, I know the date, it was August 30th, 2002. I, um, I bugled this bull in with his cows. I just couldn't believe that a bull had cows and that he was on fire and it was late morning and I was downhill of him and I, I didn't sound that good, man. And I just kept grunting and chuckling and bugling at him and I called him all the way in and I got him into 20 yards and I shot and guess what my string hit? My freaking bugle tube was hanging out on the wrong side and I missed a chip shot. And I would say several weeks later, I actually know the date, same year, September 25th, it's my older sister's birthday. I had a complete rut fest where there must have been five or six herd bulls, um, several hot cows, and everywhere you went was a bull bugling. This is kind of pre-wolf in Idaho. And you know what? I got into bow range on every bull in that basin, and I basically walked out of there with empty quiver. And I either just rushed the shot, uh, drew too early. I still don't know how I did this to the, this day, but I drew too early on a herd bull. He steps out at 30 yards. I'm at full draw. And the only thing he's showing me is his neck and his head. And he's staring holes through me. And I held at full draw as long as I could. I was shaking. It, it was it was minutes. I couldn't let down. And finally, my muscles gave out. And somehow I let down and my arrow got caught on something. And I snapped a full metal jacket in half on the letdown. This was a nice six by seven herd bull. Cows were all around me and I just drew too early and couldn't hold my bow back at full draw. And that's one of the things we see on the stress test, especially the last shot. When you're the most tired, you have to hold it full draw for 60 seconds. Then you get a green light to shoot. And we're not asking you to just at 60 seconds, slam the trigger. We're asking you to start your shot process. I would say at least 10% of 50 guys can't hold their bow still after being at full draw for 60 seconds. They let down, which is legal in our stress test, but then they can't pull their bow back. They can't, they can't get it back, and they sit there and they try, and it's scary watching a guy try to pull his bow back after being completely under duress. I mean, it's like, dude, be careful, and don't blow up your bow, and don't derail it. And um, I don't know, man. I think a lot of people are overbowed. I think it's cool to shoot a really heavy bow nowadays. Um, I know short guys like me kind of, I kind of feel like I have to shoot a little heavier, but at least practice being at full draw for minutes at a time and see if you can let down and pull right back. Just bows are fast these days. You don't have to shoot. You don't have to be Cameron Haynes, who is a friend of ours. Um, and is a stud, but you don't have to be like that. Like that's not, you're not like, you're not Cameron Haynes. I'm sorry to tell you, you're not. Um, and so not being overbowed is one thing that I've seen a lot, man. Yeah. The overbowed thing, um, is, uh, it's a problem and you know, I'm probably part of the problem, even though I try not to be, I always encourage people to shoot the most weight they can comfortably and no mess. What do you mean yeah. comfortably? And I always say, look, a minimum of 30 seconds, you need to hold it back and be accurate to 40 yards. 60 seconds is is kind of prime. Now, I on, I'm honestly, in my entire life, 
I don't know that I've ever held my bow back more than 60 seconds, and I've only done that twice. But I also have the um, I have a lot, I have experience in 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 knowing when to draw maybe a little bit more from being in such in front of so much animal so many animals, or I've gotten lucky. The thing that yep. people need to realize is if you're already shaking like a cat shitting razor blades because of the moment, and then you draw back and then you hold back for 30 seconds to a minute, and then you're trying to execute a shot, if you haven't practiced that at the very least, like you can't maybe you know mimic the moment, but you can definitely mimic 30 to 45 to a minute or more at full draw. Let's say, and I mean, these are things that people need to practice let down okay the elk just ran out to 40 draw back does your arrow stay on the rest are you jamming your broadhead into your forearm now like are in your hand like being able to under you know when am i ready to go hunting man that's a hard thing for me to say because i don't know you when you ask that like are you accurate are you accurate under multiple conditions or you know i there's a lot to it and and the thing you can't mimic the moment but you can prepare for it right i mean you you can't mimic um you know, let's say a, a marathon, which I shouldn't be speaking of because I never, I might ride one on a mountain bike, but you can pray, you can prep for it. You can run. Now you're not going to have all the competitors with you, but you can practice. Same principle. Get your ass out there, get on your knees, hide under a tree, draw your bow back, let it down, draw it back again. If you know after a couple of those scenarios, you're only accurate to 20, then you better, better not be shooting past 20. And, and you can practice all that super easy. Hell, you can pack, practice it. I'm not saying to do this in an apartment. You can practice this with a bag target in your living room if you wanted. Now, I'm not saying do that and don't shoot your TV, but I blind bail shoot constantly, and a lot of times I'll hold my bow back for 30 seconds. All right, execute, and I always have a video, or not a video, I always have my iPhone videoing all the time to pick apart imperfections. A lot of people don't do that. That iPhone takes great slow-mo video. Watch yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, and I think, Sit it on your ass, like on your ass. Can you pull your bow back slow and smooth? Uh, something about taking the legs away will really expose you if you are in, um, if you're overbowed or not. Um, but I just think it's going to pay off to have the appropriate bow strength. And you can increase your draw strength over time. Um, just like you could train for a marathon if you really wanted to, given enough time discipline you can do it so yeah do a test sit on your ass pull your bow back as slow as possible see if there's any issues and i think some people listening might try that and be a little surprised and be like hey man i need to i need to maybe check my ego at the door a little bit um i owe it to the animal and this is going to pay off in the field and ultimately we just want to see people successful and um just we're just telling you based on all the mistakes we've made i've i tell you the the biggest thing that i've think with archery sites and elk hunting is uh, the age old debate. And I'll just give you a couple site brands. I don't care what site brand people use. I I'd certainly try them all, but um, I don't know if it's a good idea to run in the woods with, with a, a compound and a single pin wider on elk. Uh, especially if you're hunting a little bit more open country where your shots could be anywhere between 20 to 50 yards. Um, you're, you're really setting yourself up to, to guess where to put a pin or guess, um, not guess and to have to let down, rearrange, move a cider, you know, and then uh, that's just a lot of movement that an elk is going to pick off. And so you got to be real careful. I, I like 
kind of that happy medium ground where you are shooting a three pin slider and you've practiced all those odd distances, pen gapping. Um, I did this the other day. I got a two pin vertical. So it's a dual track from black gold is what I have currently. Um, very similar to a bot hog fast Eddie and understanding how to not move your site and cover um, a certain range. Like for example, I was shooting from 20 out to 50 with a top pin that was set at 20 and my bottom pin set at 38 yards. Okay. That's, that's what I got. That's what I've set up. I need to be able to shoot all those distances. And so I practice that. And I don't think a lot of people do. And I think moving a pen makes sense when you're like shooting maybe extended distances, let's say beyond 40 or whatever your effective range is. But I don't know. I think a lot of people set themselves up for failure with a cool single. I love the side picture of a single pen. Don't get it twisted. Um, but I've grown to like more, <clears throat> more of like the, the pens down the middle of my site housing, not pens coming out at the side, not a ton of pens. Some people like a bunch of pins. My point of all this is, is please practice odd distances. Uh, it'll, it's going to happen because you're going to come to full draw. You're going to have, maybe you range the actual elk or you range a tree or two, and they're going to take a couple steps where you don't want them to. And then if you have no experience pen gapping or trying to, or understanding your trajectory, you're going to be in trouble, which is also why, I typically don't shoot um, as heavy as an arrow as I have in the past. It's just trajectory. No, I agree 100%. And anyone listening in about this single pin thing, if you shoot a single pin and you are successful with it and have been, don't listen to me and Dan. Um, you've got your, you know, rub some funk on it. you got your system. What I strongly encourage newer hunters, the guys that have maybe only killed a couple animals or none at all, do not shoot a single pin out west. And I know people from out west are going to be like, it's way more conducive out west. No, it's not. It's actually more conducive for whitetail hunting because you got one distance, 20 yards, right? Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I personally, even for mule deer hunting, and I know guys that are successful with it, but those guys have perfected it. The bottom line, um, mule deer is a little bit different for elk specifically. He's going to come into 18 yards, he's going to catch you drawn, and he's going to run out to 40. That happens a lot. Can mm -hmm. you hold your 20-yard pin above it and know where to hit? Are you going to move it to 40 and then him move again and then forget? And, and you've, when you've got, you know, for me, I say a minimum of three. I like people to have at least three pins, 20, 30, 40. Yeah. After that, you have a dial you can adjust. Montana Black Gold, that, they're one of my favorite sites. They're in my top three. They make a great site. Three pins, you're golden. Now, the, the thing people need to realize is, let's say mule deer hunting, generally shooting a mule deer in a bed, 100%. Let's say you come over the top of the hill and that deer's at 18 yards. He catches movement. He blows out to, let's say, you know, you're, you're judging yardage at this point, 42. If you got a 40-yard pin, you're like, ah, he looks 40. Ah, put the 40-yard pin on him. If he blows out to 40 and you got a 20-yard pin, you're either letting down and moving or you're like, ah, here's my drop. And if you perfected that, great. It is just less uh, of a problem to have three pins at least than it is with a single pin. It's just too much movement. Now, I know guys are listening in and thinking, oh, I've done this for years and it's fine. I believe you keep using it. 
I just suggest for newer hunters to not use a single pin. It is not worth it, especially for elk. Yeah, uh, it's just tough to do that. I prefer a single pin, but man, it's going to bite you in the butt. Um, oh, yeah, you're more accurate with this. When you're partying with elk. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more accurate with a single. When you have time, when you don't have time, it is not as accurate. And that's what people are like, a single pin's more accurate. I'm like, yeah, when you have time to move the damn thing. When you don't, it's definitely not more accurate. So, um, well, Dan, we've been on almost an hour, and I'm sure we could talk all day. I I, uh, I got a, another podcast, uh, the dude from Sheep Feet's hopping on. We're going to talk about custom orthotics, so I should probably hop off of here. But, I, I man, I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate you running our packs and the promotion and everything you're doing to help people out, man. It's, it's, it's good to see where, where you've, uh, what, what you've become and what you're doing in the industry. It's amazing, man. And I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Aaron. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, thanks for the opportunity to have some time with you and just shoot the shit. I'll enjoy your time. And I just want to say that to your listeners out there, um, thank you for, for, for tuning in and listening to two knuckle draggers talk about what we love. And it's, we love bow hunting and we love hunting in general. And we just want to encourage anyone out there that, um, is hunting to embrace the journey. Um, it's not a destination. It's cliche as it sounds. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's, um, be a student for life. I know Aaron and I both are and, um, find your systems and find your weaknesses and tackle those head on and best of luck in 22. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to you as well, and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon enough. Take it easy, everyone.